I've never sounded cooler. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Although there was that day where we called you Andre Martino Chancho. I did sound pretty good then. <laughs> sounded pretty good then. <laughs> sound very international. Yes, I could be a conductor <laughs> with that name. Yes, yes. All right. I'm awake, 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 I'm awake. <laughs> oh, I told Jamie I recorded the entirety of the last podcast episode with my office door slightly open. <laughs> I'm not worried about him at all. You have a dynamic mic. Nothing will get picked Nothing, up. No, no, no. But the fact that um, sound could have traveled out into the hallway. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't say anything inappropriate. Oh, we're lucky. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, welcome to episode 198. That would be the number. Of the Lexical Tones podcast. I'm Jamie. I'll be your hostess this evening. <laughs> Do we get the best table? I like that 197. We didn't say any of that stuff. I know. And I was just thinking about like, did we have an intro? No, or did we, we just, didn't. Like, I mean, I, right I was it? hosting that one. No, none of that <laughs> shit. Kind of. <laughs> and the only reason you hosted 197 and I hosted 198 was because we're recording these on the same night and I needed Rob to get slightly more sober than he started <laughs> this episode. Why? I'm so Why? good. Oh, you're so good. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just drinking last again, episode. by the way. It's all good. Last week's episode was perfect for unfiltered Rob, and this one is just going to be, I know you're drinking again. It's fine. It's fine. I don't need you to be sober. I just need you to be a little more filtered. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, okay. <laughs> this is a great intro. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, anyways, I don't have questions for tonight. You have statements. All. I have statements. Your only answers. Yes. Well... Um, we have been hinting since the beginning of this freaking season about something big and epic that is happening. And we may have even dropped a hint or said a name. I can't remember in what episode we recorded because now at the end of the season, when we're all like out of classes and we're just trying to schedule episodes wherever they fit, we may have said something earlier than this. But this is our official lovely big announcement on the podcast anyways. That we have a nine-composer commission with one orchestra, all to be premiered the same night. And we are thrilled about it. Woo! We got a phone call on January 10th of this year from the artistic administrator for the Toledo Symphony, Merwin Sue, saying, hey, we'd like to commission nine of your composers to write basically three to five-minute works, all in conjunction with one another, uh, to be the first half of a concert. Next March 2024, it's going to be just a few weeks before the next total solar eclipse, which is on April 8th. Yeah. Eclipse. I kind of shortened that word. It it's was, going to be before that. brilliant. Next total solar eclipse. So they're going to be doing The, the Planets by Gustav Holst on the second half of the concert. And they have commissioned nine new planets from nine composers in the Adjective Collective. For the first half of the concert. And we have been working on this since January, y'all. <laughs> we've had and to stay so silent about it. Oh, my God. I In mean, fact, we haven't even we haven't even really, like, announced it, announced it on social media yet as of the recording of this. But, like, everybody kind of knows at this point. Because Rob made a family portrait of Adjective made of only <laughs> the nine planets. <laughs> it was so Look. Good. We so had good. all already made our profile <laughs> pictures the planets. I was just when it's, combining them. When it's nine individual profile pictures, it's a little bit easier to be like absent-minded about it and not really think about putting them together. But when you put them together in a post and call it the adjective family, I'm like, shit, I need to get the email out to the collective and let them know what's going on. You know, <laughs> because, like, when I made that Instagram post, I almost considered... Uh, texting you and was like, hey, can I do this? And I was like, well, wait. I mean, we're already doing it. I mean... <laughs> Dude, I am so used to you being impatient about this shit. <laughs> I have had so much patience up until this point. I mean, I, right? Right? Oh, so, uh, it, but marvelous patience <laughs> from all nine of us. The thing was, I actually like... um. Uh, Hong Hongda, who is in Malaysia right now, 
right, was the right. last to jump on it. And I'm so glad he did by the time I actually posted the thing. But yeah. I was all set and ready to post it without him and just choose uh, the picture of the planet. And luckily he used the same thing. But I actually, <gasps> I actually had to go back and redo Mars because Andrea chose a different picture of Mars than I did. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, as I was posting it and tagging her, I saw, oh shit, oh her now her profile looks like, oh shit, I gotta do it again. Okay. <laughs> things in the grand scheme of things, it, it wouldn't have, it it would have been fine, Rob. No, it would have been so, fine. So, good. but I, I am so, me. It's so good this way. I know so you're you. I know. <laughs> that wasn't it funny. So, so, uh, so I posted this picture on Facebook and Instagram, and the first comment was Cherie saying like, "Oh my God, it's even in like concert order," and I was like, "I know." I'm me. Because <laughs> it's you. Like, yeah, All it's in concert responses, order. by the way, like, Cherie's genuine joy over it being in, in order and yours, like, well, no, die, is so <laughs> on brand for both of you. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, okay, I'm glad. I'm, 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 I'm glad this is all happening. <laughs> anyway, c- continue, Jamie. <laughs> Oh no no no! This is this is the kind of of crazy that I expect tonight. <laughs> well, I hope I hope you're ready for a lot of it because this in I, I like how you used the phrase in conjunction, which which I think it's more an astrological term, but you know it's related related to this idea of working together in a collaborative fashion. Nine yes. composers I know. that are going to be working been... to produce something that's not necessarily uniform, but unified in some way so mm-hmm. let's let's go through the nine composers not in concert order but in planetary order from the sun moving outwards uh, this is a cha- this is <laughs> okay, a trick sure. is this like okay. a sober test <laughs> uh, kind of okay well the first movement doesn't matter because sheree is writing movement one and that is mercury that is mercury uh who uh, who is writing venus and Nykirk. Which will be movement five. Yes. Earth. She is, she is going to be the center of us all. The center. <laughs> and it's love. No, it's actually a really hostile environment, but it's still love. Actually, uh. I, I immediately take this back. Let's go in concert order. <laughs> <laughs> he can't I'm do only, it. He I'm can't. only thinking about this in concert order anymore. I know. <laughs> okay, so we've got Cherie with Mercury. Cherie is movement one, Mercury. Movement yep. two. Hong Da Chin is writing Uranus. Just how we are saying it. Don't give me that face. <laughs> I mean, you could just say Uranus, which is what all the scientists say. Yeah, but. I still, te- you know, like, a lot of these words are Greek and Roman, and there's a lot of stuff like the A from central New York that j- I just don't believe my ancestors ever pronounced, like <laughs> Naxos, which I know I've complained about in this <laughs> podcast before. I'm sorry, but what ancient Greek said Naxos like they were from Syracuse, New York? No, it's Noxos. Please, bitches, I mean, honestly, please. that version of A is more Toledo than anything. Like, when I used to work for a company called Talent Track. Oh, you're, you're calling Talent Track? Let me get you through to uh, Rachel at Talent Track. Nice. You know, when we when we met Annie Nykirk, she was like, where are you from? And I said, Syracuse. And she was like, yeah, there it is. I was like, what? There's there what is? And she's like, that ear in Syracuse when everybody Syracuse. else pronounces it. Syracuse. Yeah. I'm like, Syracuse? where'd you put the Y? I mean, I pronounce it Syracuse. <laughs> I well, you also have lived near me the, in proximity to this me. This is why you're friends. I, I hear. I, how, how would you pronounce it otherwise? How How do you think other people? Sarah. Syracuse. 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 Like Sarah Marchitelli. No. Cuse. No, I've never pronounced Syracuse as that. I've always pronounced it Syracuse. Yeah. Well, Annie met us and immediately went, oh, yeah, you're from central New York. (laughs) Why? Why? She was like, say the word car. And I don't even remember how I used to pronounce it because her reaction made me change my accent. (laughs) Oh, get get in a car. 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 Too many many diphthongs. Too many diphthongs. Car. Car. It's it's like a high nasal vowel sound. So 
are his problem. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because I don't speak like that anymore. I spent eight years in Northwest Ohio trying to get rid of that accent. (laughs) God, you got rid of one accent for a worse accent then. (laughs) No, I specifically didn't pick up the Northwest Ohio accent. I dropped it all. Now you are just Just generic American. (laughs) Well, Andrew, you should tell the uh, story about going out for dinner with the people from the South while we were in Evanston, New York, or Evanston, Illinois. It is very important to let people that we meet know. Uh, Both of us do this, but I think Jamie's better at it. Um, I'm I'm just fast. It happens very fast, within an hour. It's very important to let people know when we are when we get together with them the first time that Jamie and I are not um, imitating or mocking. You're mirroring. We do that very quickly. Jamie yeah, is frighteningly fast. Yeah, like, frighteningly. Like I fast. pick up. I will pick up the southern accent in less than an hour. Yeah, totally. I I, I do something kind. Of, yeah, pretty similar to that. Like. Um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a conversational technique. It's mirroring. It's like, yeah. it's how you, it's, it's how you endear yourself to, to others quickly is by mirroring what they're giving you. The fun thing is the mirroring effect doesn't phase as quickly as it, as the onset occurs. Jamie fade, and I you mean? say that again. Did you say fade or phase? I probably should have said, I said phase, but I probably should have said fade. Although now I'm thinking about a piece. Okay, never mind. Um, the uh, the idea <laughs> <Lexical> here phase. <laughs> the, the idea here southern is, s- southern phase. <laughs> southern phase. <laughs> what, what's what's a good what's a good like phrase in a southern accent that we can phase a la Steve Reich? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm fixing to. <laughs> man, that was a that was, oh man. How about oh. at a girl. <laughs> no, no. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Or, bl- or bless their heart. I'm yep. fixing to get out of here. Bless their heart. At a girl. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or Mama's favorite. She's a peach. Yeah. <laughs> these are all fun. These are all delightful. Um, okay. But no, the the onset is very very quick. It doesn't fade. The two of us will find ourselves like speaking in not our our native accent, if you will, for days. Like after. a y'all will just slip out. Oh, I, well, I, I say I, y'all yeah. most of the time now because it's ungendered. It's not a yeah. north south thing right now. Like, it's like a all it's, y'all. Yeah, yeah. I I yeah. love a y'all. Like, yeah, yeah. Y'all yeah that is, is not a. That is that is just. Guys, girls, no, y'all. I feel like <laughs> I feel like y'all has. I mean, it started as a southern thing, but it really has truly been co-opted throughout the entire country as just like, come on. I mean, this yep, is yep. this is a useful word. This is a yep. This is a very useful word. All right, so we got hung up on Uranus. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> not okay. not Move. sober enough yet. <laughs> is Mars with Andrea Rankemeyer. Then we move to movement four, which is Pluto. That would be me. Andrew Martin Smith. My daughters, uh, Violet (laughs) in particular, have come up with some nicknames for the composers based on their planet. Uh, the composers that they know. They the composers that they know. Everybody. Yeah, they don't know everyone in the But collective. they really know Andrew and I because we spent half of last year at your house, it feels like. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to challenge them to come up with nicknames for all of us because they're I, so damn good at it. <laughs> so so the thing is, uh, their nickname for Andrew is Woo Woo. <laughs> Why, again? Or un- <laughs> Uncle well, Woo Woo. And- Andrew, and woo, woo, yeah, yeah, woo, it got. It was very organic. It was, it, yeah. it, it was, was incredibly organic. So, so the, I mean, I have one very nutty old aunt who met him and was like, "I'm gonna call you Drew, okay?" <laughs> <laughs> that was but, an amazing experience. But seriously, <laughs> one time, uh, one time, I think Jamie, um, you, you were going to come to our house without Andrew, and it ended up yes. Andrew came anyway. But, That's because I was having an emotional meltdown. Right. 
This was in November of 2022, right? I believe so. Um, it was either the October trip or the November one. I was I like, think I was can November. no longer handle going by myself. <laughs> so, so I I told my kids like, hey, uh, it's it's just gonna be uh, it's just gonna be Jamie this time. And they were like, oh, Uncle Woo Woo isn't gonna be here. What? <laughs> and they were like visibly distraught yep. over Woo Woo not not being here. So anyway. Uh, because his name, uh, his his name is Woo Woo, and his planet is Pluto, um, they nickname him uh, Andwuto. Love it, Andwuto. I'm I got this. So that's I'm really mo- glad mine is simple. <laughs> that's movement four. Uh, we already said um, we already said movement five is uh, Venus and uh, Andy yes. Nykirk. Movement six. Is Saturn with Alex Temple. Very excited about this. Mm-hmm. Then we move on to movement seven, which is Neptune and uh, Diana Wallace. Nice. Eight is going to be Earth. Now we got we got to continue the story because <laughs> your girls. And and uh, the first two nicknames we got from the girls were mine and Rob's, and Rob's is Robert. Robert, not <laughs> Robert. I love it. Robert. Honestly, leaves... it's perfect for my list, but this is great. <laughs> which leaves movement nine. Just one. Movement nine, which is Jamie, uh, which they have nicknamed Jupiter Jamie. Yes. Very simple, yes, but you. effective. Yes. Um, and the beauty of this project, as we were as we're talking through this, I'm thinking through why why this mishmashed order. Well, we're definitely doing not what Holst did. Like he also did not do them in order, which opened a door for us. Thank you, Holst. But but also, I mean, other than the first three, he did do them in order. You know, like Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune. He did in order. He just kind of like mangled the first three. <laughs> he mangled them. <laughs> well, Be- but, but, but mangled. But he, I'm sure he did that because of thematic reasons. I mean, if you're going to start yeah. with anything, you got to start with the fiery one, which is Mars. Yep. You know, so he had musical uh, reasons to do what he did, and we have musical reasons to do what we're doing. Exactly. And honestly, um, there were a bunch of different ways we thought about organizing this, and it all happened really organically, and I'm very happy about that. But at one point, I was like, man, I don't know how we're going to organize the movement numbers, like who's going in what order. That was a huge problem to us at first. Um, and at one point, you know, Apple actually has this phone background, which is uh, where the planets are right now in relationship to each other. And I've had this up since like January. November of last December. No, no, no. Oh, this, I, was this, was, this predated that. Yeah. I, I found that background. I was like, this is so cool. and clairvoyant. As Wait, someone who is, was... This is a default thing? How do you get this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you um, press on your home screen okay. This long has suddenly enough, become an Apple tutorial. Wait, uh, press so on your you home can screen. Just hold your... Just like... Here, watch. Okay, it's dark. Okay. Wake I it gotta, up. I gotta make it dark. Okay. And then hold on. And then if you hold it for a minute, okay. it will like zoom out and you can yeah. see multiple backgrounds. Go all the way to the right and you can add one. And this is the... Let's see. It is... Scroll down to weather and astronomy, all the way to the right. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool so as I've shit. had this. I've had this since before the project started, and like y'all, I am speaking of y'all. I have been an astronomy and astrology nerd since I was a little little kid. This is not a new theme in my life. This is a very old theme in my life. As a kid, growing up. Being like on the St. Lawrence River as a kid, I would fall asleep looking at the stars up above me. This is the dream piece for me. How you doing, Rob? Uh, I'm not paying I attention to you most likely. I haven't heard a word you've said. I'm just looking <laughs> at this background now. That's I awesome. love you, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you're you're totally right. I mean, I feel like uh especially since um as as part of this project, we are 
uh, able, obviously we're able to partner with the Toledo Symphony and the Toledo, what is it? The Toledo Alliance for Performing Arts, TAPA. Yes. Yep. That's the umbrella organization Toledo Symphony lives uh, within at this point. But yeah. uh, as part of that, we're also able to partner with the University of Toledo um, Astronomy um, Department. And uh, several weeks ago, we got a... Uh, multiple hours long um, presentation by uh, two of their um, faculty and staff members. Fac- both faculty members? I believe they're both faculty, yeah. That we got a, uh, we got a multiple hour long uh, presentation by uh, several of their faculty members. And um, yeah, I mean, it, like having all of us on that Zoom call while we're... Uh, while we're getting all this information about all the planets, it's like, we're all freaking nerds. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, oh, God, yeah. Yeah. This is perfect <laughs> for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, so it was kind of plotted from the beginning that we would do this from the scientific perspective and that we would have this partnership. What I didn't know um, was that, so from, from the very beginning of this project, uh, when Merwin called and said, we want to take a scientific perspective of this. He was immediately going to engage with um, the University of Toledo Physics and Astronomy Department, and um, and so you know this was this was for us the ability to geek out with a couple of scientists for hours on end and also have access to them as we continue the project. So yeah. even the day after the lectures, uh, Dr. Michael Cushing was emailing me about earth and I was like, Hey Rob, just, you know, like take over here. Why don't you, why don't you uh, get grab this lecture from, uh, from Michael. And if you have any additional questions and he even answered questions about your celestial miniatures, right? Yeah. Yeah. So nice. So I, I just, I just finished this piece, um, called celestial miniatures, which weirdly, I mean, uh, I, I had this project before the Toledo Symphony thing came up, and I had already decided to. Did I you can't. decided to do miniatures? But it was after the. It was after. It yeah. was after Toledo. Yep. Sym- this is the piece you want. You called me about, and I yes. said, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, this and is you from said, last episode. The suck it up, buttercup piece. Suck this it is up, Rob buttercup. Celestial miniatures. So, <laughs> so I was I was very worried because. Um, for this for this spring that uh, we have just completed, I had um, the Fredonia Saxophone Ensemble, and I had the unheard of um, uh, commission from the Johnstone Fund for New Music for the unheard of ensemble, uh, which is a, a clarinet, violin, cello, piano, plus electronics, plus video, who I'm collaborating with, Mayor Hirsch. So I was like, okay, I've got those two pieces, and I've also got some other things that luckily got pushed a little bit later and I already knew I had the Toledo symphony thing. So it's like three, those three big pieces in a year. That sounds about right for me. And then the Ohio music teachers association, um, (laughs) awarded me as their like commission composer of the year. And I was like, shit, (laughs) that's, that's a lot of music and a little amount of time. And I called Jamie and I was like, should I do this or should I say no? And she was like, suck it up, buttercup. Write that, write, write those damn notes. So, by the way, we need to credit Andrew's karate well, we instructor, do. Oh. Tom Arcuri, because suck it up, buttercup is a hundred percent for him from him. And we rarely, rarely use it in the music sphere, but every once in a while, <laughs> I look at so him relevant. in our house and I'm like, suck it up, buttercup, go do it. Like, let's go, let's go. And when I, I say that. that phrase, and he kind of hears Tom Arcuri's voice coming through my being. Yeah, you do that he well. He goes and gets shit done. <laughs> so, so Jamie said, suck it up, buttercup. And I decided, like, the best thing for me to do, I already knew it was going to be, be uh, piano. And I was going to write for my friend, Emily Phelps, who is a faculty member at Ohio University. And I was like, all right, miniatures. It has to be miniatures. Like, I'm not going to be able to write a like from beginning to end piece um of the length that they required uh without doing multiple movements so all right you know as uh, uh, very much like andrew i love the miniature uh-huh. form 
Ah? Ah? And I love being able to write about multiple things within the same category. So um, that's where, like, I... Okay, so I already had the Toledo Symphony thing, but, like, as kind of a warm-up, let's do uh, smaller. Let's do smaller things. Celestial miniatures, moons, dwarf planets, asteroids, spacecraft. Um, So, I, like, just a couple days after the Toledo Symphony, uh, or uh, the the University of Toledo um, lecture, uh, I emailed Michael and I was like, okay, so... (laughs) <laughs> this whole this whole uh IO and Ganymede uh res- orbital resonance thing. I have a question <laughs> about this and he was so great. I mean, he like it, it, his his main f- uh focus uh for his own research is um is not necessarily planets. It's it's actually like uh stars and 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 mm. stuff like that. But I mean, he's clearly, you know, he knows what the fuck he's talking about. So he was every once in a while he would say something along the lines during during the lecture of like, well, I'm not a fluid dynamicist, so I can get in touch with somebody about that. And it just blew my mind that like, oh yeah, they're they like they niche right. the way that we niche. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> well, I, I'm not a, uh, a a miniaturist who is a uh, you know focuses on algorithmic composition, but but I can get in touch with one. You know, like, <laughs> hi, it's me. <laughs> so, so and he also, yes, go ahead. So he, he, he likes, he, he did some research. He sent me a paper on the, these orbits <laughs> and totally answered my question within like a couple hours. And I was like, God damn, it's so nice to have an astrophysicist on retainer right now. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, we knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen when we got into a conversation about the higher level nerdery that happens between science <laughs> and music. The chat just took off a couple of times and I was like, I love you, my nerds. Like never stop nerding in this way. And and the the you know, astronomers were like, "Oh, are there questions?" No, this is about dictation. <laughs> We are we are going off on our own shit right now. You I mean, like sonification of data. You so smartly gave us a graph and some numbers, and we immediately <laughs> turned it into nerd music shit. Yep. Oh my god, there was one that was just like O two five was in the mix and so it was O two six. It was O two six eight. O two six oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, and the other the uh, the other astronomer that was in the mix as well was um, Heidi Westrick. So yeah, Michael Cushing and Heidi Westrick. Oh my God, it was like an hour lecture on Friday just to get like the scope of our solar system, and um, a three hour lecture on on Saturday. It was amazing on each of the individual planets, and we didn't even pick planets before we had those lectures. We were asked; we, it was requested. That we just wait until June. Hey, everyone, you want to know how much of a pain in the ass it is to get nine composers <laughs> who know they have a planet-based commission to wait until fucking June? <laughs> when they knew yeah. in January? There's like yeah. there's like nine composers salivating, like just in the wings of this project. None of you were rude to me at all the whole time. <laughs> Look. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Actually, Andrew, everybody was sweet as pie. <laughs> both Andrew and I were of the opinion of like eh, we'll just do whatever i mean i had my w- hopes yes, of what yes. i would get most people honestly most of you did were like whatever is in service to to the to the greater project yeah. but the obviously greater. like we had some people who had time this spring to work on it like sheree was on sabbatical she could have started but she wasn't able to which i, I like we've had conversations about it. it has pros and cons i I'm so glad I had to wait until June and I didn't let my little feral brain wander off to Jupiter when I should have been finishing a semester. We all know I had to bribe me into staying in one spot to finish my contract. Like, well, like I just kept signing the, up for 5Ks and 10Ks to keep my ass in, in Traverse City. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing was, um, you know, uh, the three of us, sometimes the three of us and sometimes uh, Jamie, you and I had conversations about it where we were like kind of 
well, what would what would it look like if they took this and they took that and you know, oh, that feels really good. And what actually happened? I mean, some of our predictions were right, and some yeah. were totally not. And it, uh, you know, uh, Cherie in particular. Like, yeah. you know, we had her pegged as, like, maybe this planet, maybe that planet. Ooh, that feels really good. That She'd be really good for that. And then what she chose, like, was like, oh, shit, you want to do that Not one? It. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, it, it really somebody did. Somebody signing up for Mercury with ideas in their head already about it was kind of fun. Um, yeah. yeah. And the way that we ended up determining who had what and what order ended up surprising me Mm. because what we ended up doing was we are not just writing nine straight movements that are always performed together. We know that a 35 to 45 minute piece is not going to be programmed every single week of the year. Yeah. So we already knew we wanted this to be slightly modular. And so we came up with the idea of creating three triptychs. You can perform movements one, two, and three or four, five, and six or seven, eight, and nine as smaller subsets. So if you're doing that, think about it. You've got Cherie Hongda and, uh, and Andrea are a potential program. You've, that means Mercury, Uranus, and, uh, and Mars. That is a good scope. That's a good shape to it. Um, and Or you can go with Pluto, Venus, and Saturn. Or Neptune, Earth, and... Oh, me, Jupiter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we've got these different things that can be programmed in shorter spaces if necessary. We've built them so that each one has a combination of two of one type of planet and one of the other. So if there are two gas giants, there are um, there's only one rocky planet or if there are two rocky planets, there's only one. But we've got a steady mix of them. If you take a look at the breakdown of demographics within the composers, we've got six women writing for this and three men. Woo, hell you can't yeah. program a triptych that is all three of the men. Unless you buy all nine Thank movements you. and be a jerk about it. But I, you know, everybody's gonna get paid for that anyways. If you choose to only program three male movements, the women are still getting paid the fee for the purchase of the music. So fuck you. Anyways. I mean, <laughs> that that triptych would be Uranus, Pluto, and Earth. That's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for choosing the way that you did, y'all. You saved my ass. <laughs> you saved our Uranus. <laughs> Science. Now, now, some of you, some of you, the more science-minded of you, might be asking the question, as I did when this project came about, <laughs> Pluto? Question mark? Not a planet. I'm so proud of Pluto. Hands Not a planet. planet. <laughs> Dwarf planet. Not one of the eight. Been demoted since 2006. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's there the thing. There are 19. There are 19 composers in our collective. And when we were first approached about this, I was worried. We never did tell everybody how we ended up with the triptychs, but we're going to come back to that. I was worried when they called us and said, we want nine out of 19. And to be mm. honest, they, they, Toledo Symphony commissioned Evan Williams last year for, for a premiere that happened last year, too. So they've technically worked with 10 of us um, total at this point. But my concern was like, how does this serve the greater collective? Because that is a question I ask with every new opportunity. I want to make sure that I don't leave 10 people or nine people feeling out in the cold when we all get something, when nine of us out of 19 get an opportunity like this. So they asked us for nine planets. And I said, talk to me about Pluto. They left the door open for us to be able to continue this project with the rest of the composers in our collective. They can't do all 19 of us because they're already giving us the biggest commission fee that orchestra has ever paid. Ever. But but they're also leaving the door open so that we can work with other ensembles and take our collective members into this project on a larger scale. Um, and 
do some of the other dwarf planets. And if we're doing the other dwarf planets, we can do some of the larger asteroids that have names. We can also get out even further into the Oort belt. Oort? The Oort cloud. Cloud. Um, we, <laughs> we can do objects that are smaller than a planet because we have Pluto shaking our hand here into those smaller objects. Which... And I mean, honestly, once, once you bring that into the mix, I mean, you have uh, Ganymede, which is a moon of Jupiter, which yep. is bigger than Pluto, which is bigger than Mercury, which is only 75% <laughs> of the size of Mars. Yep. I mean, the, what constitutes a planet is a little, I mean, it's not subjective, but there was definitely a line in the sand drawn once they discovered Eris out in the Kuiper Belt, which is the same size as Pluto, but three times further away from the sun. They were like, well, shit, if that's out there, that's planet 10. Do we? And, and I mean, if we really want to include that, we have to include all the other dwarf planets. Shit, we're going to have like 15 planets. Do we really want that? Or do we want to just demote <laughs> Pluto and only have eight? They went with that. But when, when that happened, it's like, well, I mean, a line in the sand was drawn, but you've got moons that are bigger than planets. Yep. You've got Jupiter, which is its own kind of solar system, system within itself. Planetary system, but yes. Well, uh, sorry, way, you're, side right, note, you're right. Side note, this is the biggest pet peeve I have about talking about astronomy, is that everybody refers to anything as a solar system. There is one solar system. You're right. You're Ours. totally right. Everything else is a star system, and my rant is over. <laughs> Our sun is called Sol. It is a solar, we have a solar system. Everything else is a star system. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity to also say we call we call the moon the moon. Yes, but, but we the learned moon has a name. We learned. But I had I had a question about that. I didn't I didn't actually ask. The the moon's well, it's name. Well, also the word for moon. <laughs> that, yes, it's it's Italian for moon. So it's just <laughs> It's like the Sahara Desert is just called Desert Desert. <laughs> <laughs> Luna is the moon. It's moon is the moon. <laughs> moon moon. Oh, it's but the moon. It, desert desert. But it, it, hel it helps us make that <laughs> distinction, right? Between there are moons, there are natural satellites of other planets of other bodies right and that uh that that kind of helps us with this, this distinction between oh our our moon has a name that we can call it yes moon but moon. jupiter is a planetary system planetary i should have said planetary system. within a solar system and ours is the only one right hill i'm gonna die on <laughs> okay so so yes we th this project can um, be even more modular than it even is right now, it can grow and it can include other things and, and not necessarily just in an orchestral format. But the cool thing about this project is that it can be even more modular and more yes. uh, expansive than just these first nine pieces. And it will fall under this umbrella of uh, 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 with within adjective called the composer's guide to the galaxy, which is really really cool. So these nine pieces are going to be in there. I think we already said my um celestial miniatures piece yeah, is going to reside. Celestial miniatures. Yeah, that's um, going to reside within this. Weird because, and I don't know how I feel about this, and I do like the idea that we are sticking to the scientific with the composer's guide to the galaxy, but. Last summer, I was I started a collaboration with a violist, and we decided that I, I'm going to start doing a zodiac cycle of solo and elect plus electronic pieces. The violist is also a Sagittarius, and so we were like, "Oh, well, this make this is obvious sense. This piece is going to be, you know, the first one of the zodiac uh, cycle that I'm calling Sinastria." And I've had two little miniatures written for it already, and those are the transition. This is going to be like a concert-length piece that goes through the entire Zodiac cycle. The piece that, uh, the soloist that I'm writing for, whatever their Zodiac sign is, that is where it's going to live in the cycle. 
And so I've started doing this thing and then all of a sudden space has popped up in a number of different ways, but it's astrological, not astronomical. So I'm not sure how it would fall in here. I mean, but aren't those, uh, aren't, aren't the astrological signs already, uh, like constellations or something like that? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Right, yeah. Well, but is. because there's so much like mythology around them, a lot of us separate astronomy from astrology as we should. It's, because it's true. It can be well, fuzzy. Well, it's, astrology say, is a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's very true. Um, Especially when you have a Libra in your life who starts every sentence with "to be to fair. be fair," <laughs> and every time he says that, I balance scales in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, to be fair, Andrew, you've tried to start a sentence for like three minutes now. I mean, I whatever. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm apparently I'm an uh, I'm an enabler anyway. So this is this is my whole mo. I, I just I just let the podcast happen. Um, this is actually the thing that I'm really, really probably the most excited about is um, I've I've been working on pieces in modular structure for a little while now, and I have a whole bunch of ideas for other modular pieces in the near future. Um, and this idea that we have these nine planets or planetary bodies of some kind that we are working on here that all belong to this particular project. But then each of us can take our planet and do other things that, that there's like there's like a thread, uh, a diagram that can be traced from this project to other things that are now kind of encompassed. And it's very yeah. similar to, you know, some of what some of my um, my my inspirations as composers, uh, my my composer mentors who are who are, um, have worked in in ways, or or even the composer I did my dissertation on, um, Philippe Leroux, he's got a set of pieces that are all connected by title. In that the the French title of these collection of pieces string together to make a large paragraph. Uh -huh. And so individually, the title itself m might not make sense. I mean, it makes sense with the piece, but you, it leaves you with this question of why this title. And the thing is, oh, it's about its place in the compositional continuum of Philippe's output. It's what it comes after and what it comes before and how all of that changed, changed together. And so th there's a whole bunch that I'm doing in my head, a lot of mental gymnastics in terms of, what I might do after this project that ties in to the greater galaxy of of possibilities. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and of course, for this, we are focusing on the solar system and, you know, out into the Kuiper belt, you know, but what and, and all that. But obviously, this could expand past our like the human reach and go into yep. interstellar space. Exoplanets? Exoplanets, other stars, other nebula, or... Or, or even or... the satellites that we've sent out into those areas. Like, we've talked a lot about Voyager 2 in the past couple of weeks here. And Voyager... Not one. that one. Voyager 1. <laughs> and, and it's, uh, you know, kind of... It's... I know it's hard to not anthropomorphize Anthrop <laughs> Anthropomorphize. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a tiny sad robot out all alone by itself in interstellar space with it only keeps about around and looks looking home. But with only about two years left of juice before it goes really? completely silent. It they <gasps> say they say it's gonna turn off in about twenty twenty five. I mean it's moving. Oh my God. At I think I read it's moving at about three point something astronomical units per year, Ooh. and obviously for, for the listeners that are not familiar with that unit of distance, an astronomical unit is the distance between the sun and the Earth. Um, so it's it's moving at a really good clip, and um, but I mean as as Doctor uh, Michael Cushing in his lecture told us space is really freaking big. Yeah. Like it's real big. And uh the distances that we're talking about, you know, it like uh when the when Voyager 1 left 
the uh, entered interstellar space, it was at, I think, less than 100 astronomical units. Right now, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 160 or mm-hmm. so. It's not going to leave the Oort cloud, which is the uh, the big ball of like comets and stuff that surround the sun. It's not going to leave the Oort cloud for like another 40,000 years or something ridiculous like that. Like, space is really freaking huge. <laughs> and it's not going to come into the, in contact with the, I, I mean, I should, I should really like look up these, uh, <laughs> these facts, but, This is um, going to be one this is going to be one of those objects that they find in Battlestar Galactica episode season well, four, whatever. They made uh, they like... made a Star Trek episode where they found Voyager one. I know, like, I know. and that was back when it was just like a show. Yep. Um, because the thing only launched in like 1977. I mean, only. Mm. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. going for you know. However, like since 1977, that seems like such a long time in our, uh, pers- in our like human perspective, but in the cosmic yeah. perspective, that is absolutely nothing. It has gone nowhere in the cosmic <laughs> perspective, and yet it is the furthest thing we have sent away from Earth in yep. the history of humanity. I mean, that's that's the crazy part. Like, that, I, see, this is the thing where like that would be a cool piece to write is about Voyager 1. Well, I already wrote that in Celestial Miniatures. <laughs> but other people could do their own take on it. Exactly. I know, I know. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, because you've also written about some of Jupiter's moons, right? Yeah. And yeah. the idea for me of taking Jupiter, my piece, and turning it into a suite that is about its satellites as well as this pl- yeah. like ending with the planet, but moving through some of like the retrograde... Um, orbits that we learned about and uh from some of its smaller moons and then getting to some of the larger ones that have some real cool orbital residences that's the type of stuff that like i don't want to just explore the orchestra in one five minute piece yes (laughs) this one planet i really think this opens the door for us to explore a bunch more things and each one of us has such a different sound world that we can hear the science in in infinite number of ways musically um Basically, this project has made all of us feel very awesome and also extremely small. <laughs> very insignificant. I wow. mean, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, and it, it was Voyager that gave us the pale blue dot picture, which, in, yep. of course, Carl Sagan wrote the, um, you know, the speech that he delivered within yep. the, cos- the original Cosmos and in, in um, an accompanying book and everything. And it's like, these... Uh, these interstellar what have become interstellar missions because Voyager was only supposed to go to Jupiter and Saturn. Yep. And then they said, well, all right, it's still going. Let's continue the mission. And that's the thing. Like they have been slowly shutting down instruments and conserving energy to continue the mission. Like I think it only has like five instruments that are still working right now. Um, to collect data and send back to earth. But with, but by the time 2025, comes around it will lack the capability the power to communicate back with earth Mm. so it to us it will essentially be just dead and just it it will keep going in the direction it's going um unimpeded until it hits something Something. or someone um (laughs) i mean that's really optimistic but (laughs) between between like the affection we have for Voyager 1. And Andrew, your procrastinating robot on Mars from a while back. <laughs> like, yep. these these two things are very much part of our scientific community's understanding of our solar system and beyond its reaches. But also, like, the anthropomorphized <laughs> procrastinating robot on Mars. I just have so much affection for them. I really think these should be pieces as well. Oh my god, an opera about the little robot that couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a millennial. I mean... It just can't even. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here, like, that's, that's a lot of fun. 
because there was a bunch of stuff that um, I lost my train of thought. It's it's it's, it's gone. <laughs> I mean the the. <laughs> The the cool thing about this project when you when you pair science and art is that they scientists have a particular way at looking at the at at uh data and the I mean we're and I I believe that uh when we were in that lecture, uh Michael uh said something to this effect that like, look, as scientists we're looking for objective truth. As artists, you're you're also searching for truth. We just have different mediums in which mm. we uh, uh try to approach that truth. So Rob, I dropped that baton and you seem to have picked it up and <laughs> run with it because yeah, that's that is what I was thinking, where the idea of uh storytelling, like scientists are storytellers. They tell stories with data. They tell stories with mathematics. And artists are storytellers. And the synergy between uh, the folks that translate the data into materials that can be told for people that are neither scientists nor musicians to appreciate and feel, that's kind of magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we are obviously thrilled and excited about this collaboration. We are so happy to be going back home. For I mean, like the three of us here have all lived in Toledo. Rob's yep. first piece uh, for orchestra was premiered by Toledo Symphony. How many years ago? Twenty. By the, by the time by the time we premiere this piece, it will be twenty years. Um, my first job out of grad school was with the Toledo Symphony. Andrew did an internship with them. This is a homecoming in a lot of ways. Um, and they called us for a really specific reason. And it makes me very proud. And so I want to share it. They called us because, I mean, like, A, to commission nine composers on the time frame that they had. They called January 2023. The premiere is in March 2024. That is a tight time frame to negotiate with nine different composers. unless. You're coming to a collective. And so they wanted to come to us for a couple of reasons. A, they could work with one person and, um, and I collectively negotiated for all nine of us. But B, they said, you all started, adjectives started in Northwest Ohio. You know, Andrew and I have since moved to New York, but we started in Northwest Ohio and uh, we have the, the feel of a hometown group of composers, but with you know, national reach at this point. And that was something that they wanted to engage with as well. So for, for us to be able to go home to Toledo, and honestly, Andrew and I only got to live in Toledo proper for two years, and it is still one of my favorite places we've lived. I for- miss the food, the people. I miss... Uh, the art galleries. The art museum and the galleries run by friends of ours. I miss it so much. For me, it is literally coming home as I was born in Toledo. Yep. Yeah. And yep. did my, like, the majority of my formative uh musical education was at the Toledo Symphony. Uh because I started as a percussionist with the then uh CEO and president of the symphony Bob Bell and his only stipulation for taking lessons with him was that we buy season tickets to the symphony and go to symphony concerts. And he gave us a ridiculously discounted price to do so, but like my entire like musical education started by going to Toledo Symphony concerts. You know, so, there's still a code in the box office attached to your family's name. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, your family still gets the Friends of Bob Bell discount. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> it's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this, um, this project for yeah. me is, is, is very, very, very special because it's the orchestra I grew up with. But they were also interested in not just people who are connected to them directly. They were very specifically said a couple of composers and the rest, they said, we want to hear from new voices and we want suggestions from adjective who those new voices should be, can be. And so we were able to say, you know, here is a group of nine people that meets your needs. We haven't asked them yet, but we think they're going to say yes. And uh, this is one of the brilliant moments of my life where I was able to call 
eight of my closest friends and offer you orchestral commissions. I may never have a moment quite like that again in my career. I hope I do because it was the best fucking feeling. <laughs> it was a good call to be on the other side of, let me tell you. <laughs> you were driving, weren't you? <laughs> I was sitting in a parking lot, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were in the car. Yeah. Um. I mean, like, the... <laughs> The text message is, hey, can I call you and offer you an orchestral commission? <laughs> like, immediately gets a phone call back from, I don't remember who I sent that text to, but I was like, hey, I have an opportunity. Can you, like, I know we're playing phone tag, but this is an orchestra commission. Can you call me back, like, now? <laughs> and we found, you know, we, uh, we had a couple of alternates just in case, people who were either connected to Northwest Ohio or the region, um, but all nine of our composers said yes, and that ended up with the group that we have now. And we're already looking for other opportunities for um, orchestras to collaborate with our other 10 composers to do celestial objects. So I'm still, I'm still looking up Voyager facts. I know you are. <laughs> You can see your eyes have not met the screen in like ten minutes. <laughs> you, can, you can see the light shining on my glasses. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. All right. According to the latest calculations, in about forty thousand <laughs> years, Voyager One will move within one point six years of the star Gliese four four five. Two hundred and sixty thousand years after that, Voyager One will pass within less than a light year of the Red Dwarf. TYC 3135-52-1. As for Voyager 2, in 42,000 years, it will move within 1.7 light years of the Red Dwarf Ross 248. Now, one last thing. Um, <laughs> and, and this uh, this is a little poetic, you know, whatever this website is. We don't know if anyone will play the Voyager records because, of course, each Voyager spacecraft was equipped with a golden record that had um, music from uh, music, language, greetings, um, and all different other kinds of stuff from uh, many, uh, many different Earth uh, cultures uh, equipped on the spacecraft. So the, the golden records are there. We don't know if anyone will play the Voyager records or if they will remain an unread cosmic message in a bottle forever. But in any case, after the sun turns into a red giant and swallows the earth, the devices have a good chance of remaining the last objects in the universe that prove that intelligent life once existed on our planet. <laughs> That's yeah. a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. Oh my God. Because, you know, in five billion years, the sun will, like, go red giant and swallow the earth. I mean, we will kill ourselves off well before then. Oh, but... yeah. <laughs> Highly likely. The great filter be, is not our friend. There will still be evidence on the planet that we existed at some level until the sun. Yeah. Kerplouis. Yeah. But Stravinsky, that bitch, made it into <laughs> all time. He is... <laughs> He yes, that bitch. Sacrificial <laughs> sacrificial dance, one of the most complex like like metrical orchestral pieces out there and it's on that fucking golden record. That bitch. <laughs> that bitch made it past just human recorded history. Yeah. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? But we don't know if anybody's ever going to listen to it, just like the rest of contemporary music. <laughs> <laughs> And there it is. Oops. <laughs> oh, boy. Well. To... I don't think we can end with that. No, we can't end with that. Um... <laughs> I, th I think we, we definitely end... need, we need a moment of pause just to think that's where it ended. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this, the, this project is, you know. It's it's huge for it, certainly it's huge for all of us that are involved in it, but it's also huge for every member of the collective because it opens doors that were not previously open to us. It uh it provides platforms that we didn't even know were there that we could make use of. It it there we in in some ways we are like kind of uh a, a little bit branding ourselves as like the like the composer collective of science, which I'm really cool with. 
I was going to say, I don't think any of us would object. <laughs> Captain Fungus over here. <laughs> Captain yeah, Fungus seriously. and the math nerd that's over here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge step forward for, um, for us as a group of composers. And I mean, it's, you know, the, like we, we've got some really, like really, really cool shit. Uh, all of us, you know, all 19 of us have some really, really cool shit on the horizon. And um, it's, uh, it's, one of the, it's one of the great things about being part of this collective is that, you know, you, as, as a part of it, you are part of a group of just really awesome people. And like, not an asshole amongst us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the rule, right? No assholes. I mean, That's I have my rule. days, but you know, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you're the problem. It's you. It is. It's only me. I think that's how we started the season. <laughs> <laughs> that seems so long ago. I know. I know. No, you're you're absolutely right. Like this is, um, and I, I and with every opportunity that feels grand in scope, I try and keep a very realistic head about it because. Um, you know, it as important as it is, someday it will end. Um, yeah. this is this is just like Earth. Point. It it yep. is a point on the continuum of our each one of our careers, and we get to you know have a nice little overlap, uh, where it it means a lot to a bunch of us at the same time. But, uh, it is providing opportunity. To the next unknown, and that is the way I'm approaching it. We're we're so excited to work with everybody at Toledo Symphony and Tapa, and um, they're already providing just hilarious. We we still haven't settled on a title as of this uh, recording, and I know that the people who are on this recording are making faces at me because there have been a ton pitched, um, and I need to get back into the conversation with the symphony about like which ones are most potentially marketable. And not everybody's views on this align. It's just the way a collective works. Um, but it's, it's, you know, one of those things where it's... Couldn't it be weird for me to say this, but the best meetings in my life. The, the worst meetings. We've all been in the worst meetings, right? Where we sit down and everybody tells you, this is what I've done this week. I moved <laughs> rubble from that pile to that pile and it was progress. Right. That's not what meetings are supposed to do. The best meetings I've been in in my life are ones where I walk in with a problem and I come in with solution A and both Rob and Andrew think solution A and me, all of us think solution A is not it. It's not bad, but it's not good either. Right? Yeah. And then Andrew presents solution B, and Which all is of usually us agree. <laughs> all of us agree, solution B is absolute shit. So it makes solution it's A not, look that much better. That's what I'm here for, of, folks. It kind of that's makes my solution A look okay, but then Andrew's absolutely awful idea gives Rob a spark, and the bad idea. Give someone a brilliant idea. And solution C is the one we needed the whole time. But we can't get from solution A to solution C. We needed B to provide that spark. And that is what this way, project is Way to be to B squad, even, Andrew. That's what I'm having. This, this is my role. I embrace it. I'm not even almost, a planet. I almost reversed these names, Pain but it's asses. just so on brand for all of us to do this. <laughs> Anyways, we are we are going to um while while um while we are all going to be very very busy writing in the next the little while here, we're really excited to provide updates on this project and we hope to see as many people as possible uh as many adjective fans as possible in Toledo in March. We're going to have some epic parties around this event. March we're gonna 22 have and 23, 2024. Of 2024. Um we will definitely have uh you know, we're working on booking an art gallery to have an event uh the night before the premieres. We are definitely having a reception somewhere secret, somewhere awesome. <laughs> Uh, and with a somewhat open bar. 
<laughs> not entirely open bar, a somewhat open bar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're we're really looking forward to all of this. So thank you to all of the um, artistic and administrative staff at Toledo Symphony who had a kooky wacky idea and decided to call me about it in January. <laughs> I think they called the, the right com- person. I mean, uh, and to the composers who trusted that this wasn't some fever dream of mine that I just like knocked around in my head and said, hey, let's just do this. I had an ongoing joke with Andrew for like three months that y'all trust me too much because no one but me from Adjective talked to the Toledo Symphony and Tapa for like three and a half months. This could have been something I made up. <laughs> and you all just trusted me. <laughs> but here's here's the thing, Jamie, and I think this uh, this... This is one of the reasons that we're, you know, all in the collective and all in this together because we believe in this collective idea that, you know, building relationships is important. And the Toledo Symphony just didn't call you out of the blue. They called you because you have built a relationship with these people. You adjective has been partners with the Toledo Symphony for yes. a while they yes. know evan they know me they know you guys they know like they know us because we been... almost gave annie a choir because they were like well like we know annie's gonna be involved and we're gonna have a choir there for neptune and the holst would annie like a choir and i was like no <laughs> no i like no. i'm gonna speak i'm gonna speak for my girl here we need programmable shit yeah. <laughs> But that, but that's the thing, like yeah, we yeah, we've they know spent that we've spent you know literally decades building uh this this relationship, and it's not only that we're building this relationship with this the only the Toledo Symphony. We've built yeah. relationships with all of our performance partners and performance partners that are still yet to come. Like that is how we are able to do what we do we value relationships with other cool people yeah and like that's we work on those relationships we aren't looking for a flash in the pan moment yeah which has has always weirded me out about the arts communities in general is like oh you're free you want to work together cool that's done i'm moving on to the next totally And, and it's it's like a bad dating scene some days and we are very much invested in Let's build this relationship long term. I'm willing to wait 13 years to write an orchestra piece for you because I know that when we do this, if they had offered me a performance of an orchestra piece anytime since I I walked it through the front doors there, it would not have a tenth of the impact that this event is going to have for all of the people involved. Yeah. It does not matter how long my piece is, it is that much more um community driven visible we are also excited about it it's not going to be an event people miss um because they want to it's going to be an event people miss because they have to and that enthusiasm is something i will ride a high on for the next five years (laughs) Mm -hmm. i I would rather have that than oh yeah cool we'll play one of your pieces Mm-hmm. This is the relationship building that we as a collective have always worked towards, and it's beautiful to see it happening. Because at the end of the Saturday night concert, when all nine of us are standing on that stage together, oh, I oh my crying. god, oh my I, god, I am going to be. Yes. I mean, like, I almost didn't make and it. And then we have to listen to the holst. <laughs> like, god damn. <laughs> It's going to be so good. (laughs) Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.